Well, you may be asking, why is she up there? I'm asking the same thing. It all started when I talked to Ross in November, and I told him what I did for a living. And that's what happened. I'm up here now. So when I walked through the doors the first time back in 2004 of Quest, I had no idea that eventually I'd be up here. Uh, but I'm really happy and honored to be here, and we are going to... It's like I think God's in the, in the mix, because I know it. Because you know what? I used to be an English teacher. And guess what I'm talking about today? Books. Mm-hmm. Works out, doesn't it? So, let's get our tools together to learn. In your bulletin, you should have a card like this, if you could grab that out. Does everyone have a writing utensil? That's what we call it in school, right? A writing utensil. On the back of your bulletin is some blank spots because you know I'm going to say something that's really intriguing you're going to want to write down. So there's your spot. And if you notice, there are no fill-in-the-blanks. So fill-in-the-blanks is actually a brain strategy to keep your attention so that you don't fall asleep, okay? Which is why we use it in church. (laughs) So... I want to do more than keep your attention because I want you to implement in your life what you're going to learn about today. So what I've designed is just some questions, some personal questions. And we always want to begin with the end in mind, so let's look at where we're going today. The questions on the back that you're going to reflect on ask, how is God's word like a text message? A little metaphor going on there. Uh, Which verse of Psalm 119 impacted me today? Be specific. So which part of the Bible are we reading? Psalm 119. So you start thinking, okay, Psalms. Okay, who wrote the Psalms? Were you here this last month? Didn't we hear about David? Ross, didn't you teach about David? Okay, so we know David wrote it. Okay, here's a little thing I want you to remember. It's called raft. R-A-F-T. Whenever you're about to read anything, you want to raft it first. You want to figure out, okay, what's the role of the writer? So we have David, right? What was he? He was a king, right? So when he's writing Psalm, is he writing as a king or is he taking on a different role? Okay, how about a parent-child relationship, right? He's taking on the role when he's writing the Psalms as a son, as a child of God. So the role for David is I'm a son or a child of God. The A stands for audience. Who is his audience? So who is he writing to when he writes Psalms? He's writing to God. He's writing his praises of God. He's writing about how much he loves God and he loves God's word. So his audience is God. The F in RAF stands for format. What format in Psalms does he use? He uses poetry. Okay, he's not writing a letter. When we, you know, we read Paul, we know that he's writing in a letter. Um, we have some historical parts of the Bible and law, and Ross is going to teach about that next week. But this is poetry. And the last one, topic. Our topic today that he is writing about is how awesome God's word is to David. We want to keep in mind, too, David lived hundreds of years after the first five books of the Bible were were written. So this isn't like, oh, yeah, this is the most current, latest book. I got it off the bestsellers, you know, thing in Barnes & Noble. No, this is a book 
that had been around for hundreds of years. It was old when he was reading it, and yet he loved it so much. So when we get into Psalm 119, I want you to keep in mind role, audience, format, and topic so we can understand the context in which David is speaking to us as he glorifies God. Okay, next question on here. What is God trying to tell me today? What text message is he sending? So as we go through today, I want you to think, if God were sending you a text message today, what might he be telling you? What advice might he be giving you? How might he be redirecting your path so that you can follow him? And lastly, what happens to me when I stop reading God's text? At the end of today, I'm going to present four things that could possibly happen to you when you move away. And some of those might, might happen to you. But there might be other things, other experiences you seem to have in your life when you step away from God's text message. So, here's my passion, books. If you've ever come to my house, I got books everywhere. I ran out of wall space. My husband built me all these, like, it's, my whole study is bookshelves, books. And it's funny, none of them are fiction. They're all nonfiction. I just want to know about stuff. I want to learn. Um, so when I started becoming a Christian, which was only six years ago, by the way, I um, had this journey in life, which was I was raised in a very traditional religion. I went to that school. I went to every day I had religion class. I had workbooks. It's so funny. We had all these great books. But you know what we didn't have in school? We didn't have a Bible. <laughs> only the priest could talk like he read the Bible. And if you were, like, spiritual enough, you could get up at the lectern, you know, and, and read it. But I was never told to read the Bible at home. And I was never taught to read the Bible at home. I had a conversation with my mom lately, and I asked her if she had read the Bible. And she says, oh, yeah, probably over the years it's been covered. But not she hasn't personally or intentionally read the Bible. So... That's how I was raised, that I just knew God was with me, and if I knew these prayers, everything would be fine. And if I did everything right, everything would be fine, and I can ask for forgiveness if I screwed up. And then I had my son when I was 19, totally disengaged from any type of Christian faith whatsoever. Um, I considered myself a Christian. Oh, my goodness, what a hypocrite I was, right? So, by the way, I was pregnant, and then I got married. Yeah, no wrong. <laughs> I was not like following the Bible. Um, Nate now is in college, and he turned out to be an awesome kid because it's never too late to fix what you did. It's never too late to get back on that path. When I came here, Nate was 14. I was in the middle of a terrible divorce. It was very public at the time, and um, I was like at the lowest point in my life. Didn't know how I was going to fix myself because you know I'm independent, strong woman. I can fix myself. And then I realized I needed someone's help. And I never really had a great dad in my life. You know, I had a stepdad and a dad when I was a kid. But if you know me, you know, like, that's like a sore subject. But it's okay. Like Darla says, God is our father, right? He's the one that I need to depend on. So if I don't have a great childhood, I don't have great experiences, it's okay. Um, I can, with the help of God and his word, change that. So I joined a small group right away. We started doing studies, like the testimonies in the R12, you heard. And then I realized, here I am. I had taught language arts to 7th and 8th graders, mostly 8th graders, for years. And we always said, you can't make a decision unless you're informed about that decision. And then I, here I am, 
I'm living life. I'm making all these critical decisions, which, of course, I pay penalties for later when I screw up. Uh, and I'm saying I'm a Christian, but yet I've never read the Bible. It took me two years to read the Bible. Uh, this, is my, this is my favorite Bible because this is the one I actually read. It's one of those daily Bibles. You get a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New, a little bit of Psalm, a little proverb every single day. And I remember one day, I, I would get up early in the morning. My husband gets up. He has his little routine. I got my little routine. Right, honey? And <laughs> he in his little routine. He comes back through the study where I'm sitting there, like in my spot where I read the Bible. And I'm falling. I'm sleeping. I'm just, he's like, honey. <laughs> honey, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, what are you reading? I'm like, Leviticus. <laughs> You can do it. He was like my cheerleader. You can make it through Leviticus. Like, I really don't care about how to slaughter a lamb. I just don't, I don't get it. And like, I'm one of those people, you know, like I don't watch scary movies because like I really think it's happening because it's like vivid. There's mirror neurons in my head are just working. And so anyways, I made it through Leviticus, realized God is just trying to tell me to be obedient. He appreciates obedience and he wants you to follow his rules. Got that. Okay. And then I moved on. Then numbers. It's like. Really? Like, I don't know who all these people are. I can't pronounce their names, you know. But I remember, like, this is important because it tells us all about our history. And I don't have to memorize those names. And just because I read it doesn't mean I know it. Because I tell you, I still don't know it. And there are people who've read this over and over and over again and can quote it. And still, they have suffering in their life because they get away from the scripture. Now, we all have suffering in our life, but even more so because we make wrong decisions. So I've got my daily Bible. This is my husband's. Honey, I, I brought this in. You didn't take care of it. Does everyone see that? This is a parallel Bible. So I can open it up and I can get four in one. Anyone have one of these at home? They're really heavy, but they're cool. So I can read the King James, the Amplified, the New American Standard, and the New International Versions all at the same time. Awesome. Don't take it with you very many places. It's like the textbooks they give your kids nowadays, you know, and they're walking like this, their backpacks on. This is the trusty old study Bible, red letter, so that I know when Jesus is speaking. And lots and lots of references. I'm lucky to get through the Bible part, but it's nice to have that just in case. So this is my just-in-case backup Bible. Oh, and then you have the chronological Bible, if you ever really want to be confused. There you go. Because did you know the regular Bible? It's not in order as it happened. So you're like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we just read about that. And, oh, okay. So if I read the Chronicles, it tells me the same thing that happened in Kings. Oh, yeah, didn't know that. I'm just telling you, today's the sermon's all about me being stupid. Okay. <laughs> and then my small group a few years ago was really interested because they had all these people asking them questions about their faith. And, like, we just know it, you know, in our hearts. We know that God is our Lord and Savior, but we don't know it enough here to have it come out here to people who don't have this. And so we are stuck. How do we get people who don't have this to know what we know here? We have to think it. And we have to speak it. So we start getting to apologetics, right? So how do you defend your faith? And there's all these great articles in here about all the controversies and how do you defend your faith to people who don't have it here yet. Now, here's the cool thing. So now I'm going back into my teaching days. I had this student named Ashley. She was new to my class, 14 years old, really quiet. When people are really quiet, you never quite know what they're thinking. 
I never quite knew what she was thinking. I always did these reading teas. I would like read a little blurb out of the book and then I'll put it away. <laughs> like, well, we're not going to read that book. That's really good though. Huh? And then that book would be the next one, you know, checked out of the library. So one day we were talking about the passion for books. And here I am. I got my books and I took all the covers off. They're just dust covers, right? Why are they there anyways? Just to protect it. So hopefully today we're going to uncover this book, taking that protective wrapping off of it. But we open it up, and these are not Bibles, obviously. I taught in public school. Um, but we would smell books. Don't you love books? Come on, Erin. I know you like to smell the book. Come on. And like those really smooth pages. I don't like the books that are printed on newsprint. Mm-mm. I like the really smooth pages. They get better smell. So we were passing the books around. I'm like, oh, no, what's this? What are they going to tell their parents when they go home? Yeah, Mrs. Snowden, she had us, like, reading and smelling books. Yeah. So, but look at this. Isn't this pretty? Can you see this? There are, like, little inscriptions on the side, and it's all engraved. And I like, just picture the really fancy house with all the great leather-bound books with all the great inscriptions on the side. I said, if you're a book connoisseur like I am, and you buy hardcover books and you treasure them, and you smell them, and you take the covers off of them, and we put them up for display. So, and I don't write in hardcover books. That's why I write all over this one. And I write all over this one. And this one here. Oh, by the way, that student, her dad was the principal of elementary school. Yeah. (laughs) He came to my classroom. It was okay. I was union president at the time. I had power. It was all right. He wasn't going to intimidate me. But he, he came to my classroom and he said, Denise, what are you doing teaching Ashley to smell books? And I'm like, well, you know, this was that, that was a really quiet student. She's a book connoisseur. And at home, we caught her in her bedroom uncovering all the books, lining them all up on the shelf. My wife went in there and said, Ashley, what are you doing? And she said, oh, you know, Mrs. Snowden, she told us that, you know, we need to display our books proudly and, you know, just really honor them. Wow. People, the quiet one in here, someone in here is listening to me. Just don't go weird thing, do weird things at home. I don't want to hear about later. <laughs> so this is my trusted Bible that I would bring to church when I came to church because I'm just on the hallways now all the time. But when I would come in, I would, this is a wide margin Bible. Have you seen one like this? It's awesome. It's red letter just in case I forget when Jesus is speaking. But it also, he has all lights, lots of room. And I only kept writing it in pencil. So I put all my pencil marks in there. Because you know what writing is? What you're going to do on here? Writing is holding your thinking. That's why we write. We write to communicate, but we're communicating thoughts. So as I got thoughts, or I felt feelings about something I was reading in here, I could write it down. And we studied one year, about four years ago, the whole book of Romans over the summer in the sanctuary. And I remember when we started the Romans 12 study, I got this out because I wanted to see all the notes I had written about Romans when we were studying it. So, oh yeah, I'm going to need that because we're going to use the Bible. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, so here's my hook. It's all about bells. I got my phone right here. Anyone else got your phone? doesn't work in here so I have it on right right um, I'm gonna tell you a story about bells at my house <laughs> I 
A lot of you have been there, and you won't come back. Because <laughs> it's a very noisy place. Now, Greg and I are empty nesters. His kids are away. My son has gone college. So we have pet children instead. We have three birds and two dogs. And our dogs are brothers, and they love each other. They're shepherd mixes. And when I first got them a couple years ago, I was training them to go outside. So, you know, we got the sliding glass door. I got one of those things, the bells. I hung it on the door. And here it is, middle of winter. There's the dogs. <laughs> Ring the bell. I got the, the paw. Ring the bell. Come on. We're not, go- we're not going outside until we can ring the bell. Ring the bell. <laughs> They're not getting it. Okay, well, in the meantime, my birds, my little cockatiel, he just tweets. And I've got a cockatoo. He's the white one with the big sulfur crest. He just squawks. He wants to be held. He wants your attention. He just squawks all the time and really loud. Water bottle water just shuts him up, though. Works good. And then we've got the most intelligent species of bird there is. It's called an African gray. He's all these different kinds of gray. I see ya. Awesome grays. And they have this scarlet tail. And his vocabulary is up to 2,000 words. Yeah, and let me tell you, guess what he picks up on? Anything said with emotion and with enthusiasm. So my husband, hi Greg, um, <laughs> I'm going to tell <laughs> He's in the sound booth, yeah. It's good. Um, he is a master of all trades, and um, he renovated our kitchen a year and a half ago. And in that process, him and his buddy, renovating, probably said a few choice words. Loudly, with enthusiasm, that the bird now says. Yes. And when uh, my small group was over this summer, right, girls? For our picnic, um, the bird doesn't talk with strangers around. Like, he has to know you. Or you can be in a different room and he will just, like, you think there's another human being or the TV's on in the other room. And uh, so they wanted to see the video. So Tiana wanted to see the video really badly. So I had a video of the bird. Uh, We put it on. And um, I did not watch the video ahead of time. And the few choice words were shared. Okay. So anyways, this bird, he's awesome, he's hilarious, and he yells at the dogs constantly because when we're training the dogs, we're always yelling at them, sit down, whatever, he says it all. So imagine the the door and the hanging bells, and here I am trying to get the dogs to ring the bell, and what is the bird? Every morning, he says, you want to go outside? (laughs) And I would say, yes, Buckeye, we're going outside, and I'm putting their leashes on. And he says, ring the bell. Okay, so the bird knows that you're supposed to ring the bell to go outside. The dogs have not caught on whatsoever, so at all. So speaking of bells, hey, hey, maybe they want me back just to tell more bird stories. I got lots of them. Uh, do you remember growing up? I grew up in the 70s, and we had those phones that had a really long cord. And you went to the store to buy the 25-foot cord so that you could kind of have it cordless, you can always have it like in the whole room. And really, you kind of got stuck with the phone because it was all tangled. You like couldn't move away anyways. So I just remember this cord would go over here and it would get twisted around. And okay, So I just picture yourself at dinner in the 70s with that kind of phone. 
Phone would ring. What do your parents say? They say, you know, just let it ring. They'll call back if it's important, right? Pretty standard. When that bell would ring, they'll call back. Then we got answering machines. And then if it was dinner time and the phone was ringing, what would happen? We'd say, well, let the machine get it. Okay, and now we all have our very own phone. And... Do you love that sound? You know what that means? That means I'm important. That means somebody is trying to connect with me. And I can't ignore it, can I? Has anyone, like, not looked at, read a text message when it came through and you got that little bell? So you get that, and you're, like, in this, you know, maybe you're in a meeting or something. You're like, oh, I need to shut my phone off. So you take your phone and you shut it off, but you know you're reading what it was. Okay, there's really no such thing as a text message nowadays that gets sent that doesn't get read. You don't say, oh yeah, I got your text and I didn't read it, right? Or, you know, I'd really like for you to talk to me instead, so just call. Like, that's just not how we function, right? So, here's the coolest thing. Like, this is a text message from God. Okay, and we don't say, oh God, can you, like, just talk to me and, like, tell me all the stuff in here? Um, You know, because I don't feel like reading, Or, how about this? Um, That's just too difficult to read. So, yeah, I'm not going to do it. It just influenced every single part of my life growing up because I live in a Judeo-Christian value, you know, society. No, I'm not going to read it. Or how about this one? I don't think it's true. So, I'm not going to read it. So when you go home today and you get out your newspaper, do we only open it up because we think it's true? Do we only open up that magazine because we know it's true? Okay, That's never been a litmus test for us whether we're going to read something or not is whether we think it's true. Of course, I'm biased. I know this is true. You may not be where I am knowing that this is true, but read it and find out. So over the next three weeks, Ross and I are going to work with you. Last week is going to be all these plans for reading the Bible. Next week is going to give you the big picture This study was so pivotal for me because, like I said, I never read the Bible growing up. I depended on somebody else to interpret it for me. And then I heard all of these things in our society. Well, you know, like health, wealth, and prosperity. Yeah, that's what God wants for you. Oh, and do you know that if you get saved, you'll never have another problem in your entire life again? Yeah, like, okay. What I want to know is as a grown-up, as a an adult, as a thinking, breathing person with all these talents God's given me, I want to know what God's saying. I want to know what his text message to me is. And when you think about a text message, text messages, why do we read them right away? They're current, right? Someone just sent it to me just now. And it's really, really important. It's relevant because, you know, it's something that's going on that I can relate to. It's real world. And it's personal. This person texts me personally, so I'm going to read it, right? Those are the three attributes that also describe this book. It's current, it's relevant, and it's personal. What God says to me today through this text might be different than what he says to you. So give him the opportunity to talk to you instead of us always talking to him. Does everyone have a clickers ready? Okay. Now, I didn't tell you this, but at some point, I'm going to forget what I'm saying. I haven't done that yet, but I'll get there. 
And at some point, I'm going to irritate you if I haven't done that already. And more than likely, I'll irritate you through these questions. So get ready. Are you ready? Excited now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, this first one, this is a warm-up question. My relation to Quest. All you have to do is hit the right number, one, two, three, or four. If you change your mind, it's okay. Whatever number you enter last will be the number that is registered. Do you like, if you can see at the very top, you can see the number of responses coming through. Okay, about three more seconds. Three, two, one. Let's see how we did. I consider Quest my church home, 66% of you. No new visitors, but those of you who have visited several times, keep coming back because I won't have to be here next week and, you know, there'll be somebody who's really smart up here. Okay, yeah. I usually teach at conferences with teachers and principals, so I'm not usually teaching with my friends in front of me. It's a little nerve-wracking, okay? Okay. I have a Bible with me. Now, this is also, this is, my Bible's in here too. Ross has got his iPhone, his Bible's in there. My son programmed this because, you know, like, He's more techie. Uh, he's a digital native. I'm not. And I can press this little button on the side, and, like, the Bible comes up. Isn't that cool? It has reading plans on it and everything. So this counts if you have, if you have this program for your Bible, not, like, if you have to go on the Internet and search. That doesn't count. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Oh, shame. Okay. You just want to be passive learners? Is that what this is all about? You just want to be fed? No, you got to take ownership. Bring it. Okay, there's a problem that we're doing here. We are enabling you to not bring your Bible. Why? Because we give you the scripture. I had somebody come up to me after last service and say, it's not my fault. You guys just keep giving me the scripture. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Oh, next week you're going to bring them though, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have one, hey, come take a look and... At least you can shop here. Okay. How about this one? I got to clarify this. I told you about my mom. Okay. She would say no. I would make her say no to this. Okay. I have intentionally read the entire Bible. That means, like, I'm going to read it. Maybe not beginning to end because it doesn't quite make sense that way. Maybe there's a reading plan that helps me get through it. But I have, like, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I know that I've read it. Yes or no? the magic happens don't you love technology so cool see does that shock anybody i'm not the last one to finish reading the bible okay it's okay it's never too late right it's never too late to get smarter to get in contact with god and let him speak to you how about this one i believe in the authority of god's word Oh, and you can have the, and I am not sure. It's okay. The kids did a great song at VBS. I'm going to try and get them to sing it in two weeks. The word of God is the absolute authority in everything. Okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't sing well. And there's little hand motions. You want to hear that, don't you? All right. Worship team, are you in the room? Yay, Mary. Okay, let's see. Yes. Okay. So, hold on. I believe in the authority of God's word, but I've never read it. Huh. That's like the majority of people in here, right? Okay. Are you feeling guilty yet? Are you feeling like irritated? Or are you feeling inspired? 
Inspired? You're going to do it? All right. (laughs) Please don't email me later this week. Okay. How many books are in the Bible? I mean, it's like, it's a number between 52 and 70. (laughs) How many do you think? The kids know it. If you don't know, ask them. We've been working on that. I say, how many books are in the Bible? What's the first one? What's the last one? They do the Bible book bop. They can do it. So what do you think? All right, good. I want to make sure no one's chickening out here. 66. Oh, you were right. All right. You might not have read it. You believe in the authority, and I know how many books. Ding. Okay. If, these kind of, if this kind of question is interesting to you, you cheated with your neighbor, didn't you? You're like... <laughs> How many? I know you're smarter. Come on. The in-state class is really great here. That will teach you all that stuff. So, And how many years are between the Old and New Testaments? What do you think? There's a big gap in time there. 100 years to 2,000. And God didn't communicate with anybody unless it was personally during that time. He like put the Jewish people on hold. (laughs) And then how many years before he took them off hold and started communicating with them again? 400. You are right. Give yourselves a round of applause. Yay. I can't do with this. Come on. Round of applause. Standing ovation. Standing O. Watermelon cheer. Okay. Never mind. Okay. So. We have some work ahead of us, so let's get started. Okay, if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on our cheat sheet. If you have a Bible, open it up to Psalm. Book of Psalms is right in the middle in most Bibles. 119. Okay, we have David. He's writing it from a son relationship to his father. It's the poetry. His audience is God, and the topic is how great his word is. So let's go through this. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Remember, he's a king, too. Doesn't he have work to do? He's just sitting around reading the Bible. And by the way, his Bible is what? Matthew, or not Matthew, Mark. Does he have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. That's it. Okay, so, yeah, he can do that because his book was smaller than ours. Okay, no, he meditated on it. When in between, he was reflecting on what God wanted him to do when he would make decisions. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. He internalized them. There's this really silly thing I do. I live in the woods. I take the dogs out on leashes because we can't put one of those fences up because we live in the woods. And the underground thing, that doesn't work because, you know, there's roots and trees and we live in the woods, so you can't do it. And they would take off. So I go out a lot of times in pitch dark with the dogs. We have lots of deer. We have lots of other stinky things, you know, skunks and all that. And I'm always saying, there's this scripture from Ephesians. I, I walk out and I say, Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So I'm like, oh, don't let the darkness scare you. I'm like, yeah, Holy Spirit's in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm like, that must be David. He must, like, have all of these great scripture, like, in him, making him wiser when he's making these decisions. I have more insight than my teachers. Insight's the ability to connect the dots, see the big picture. For I meditate on your statutes. Notice in your handouts, I missed a T. Please change that immediately. 
We don't meditate on statues, only statutes. Yeah. Satan was working with me on this. Wanted to make sure you had the wrong information. But I'm here to tell you it's statutes. I have more understanding than your elders, for I obey your precepts. Okay, I love this, because think about cause and effect. I have more understanding because of what? Because I obey. I don't have understanding first and then obey. I obey, and therefore, I have understanding. We are called to obey first and then worry about understanding later. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. Wouldn't that be so cool? Like, imagine if God was your teacher. Like, he was communicating to you all the time. Well, we have to give him that opportunity, don't we? As soon as you sit down and you open his word, he is communicating with you. And he is touching your heart, and he is touching your mind, and he is your personal teacher. It's up to us to give him that opportunity. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. So when I see something that's outside of this, you learn something called epistemology in graduate school. Your epistemological perspective, Denise, is... Okay, and I was given all these possible perspectives. It's where do you think knowledge comes from. So where you think knowledge comes from is what informs right from wrong, right? I make decisions about what's right and what's wrong based on where I think knowledge comes from. And all the things presented to me at the university level were not a biblical Christian worldview. Okay? You can believe that everyone can have their own truth. You can believe that you have to have scientific experimentation. That's called post-positivism. You know, you've got postmodern. You've got all of these spectrum of things, but nothing you're taught at the university level, which is why I want to protect my son so much, is a biblical Christian worldview. I believe that this is absolute truth. This teaches me right from wrong. When I understand the context is written and I open up my ears and my heart and my mind to God's teachings. So David did the same thing. He gains understanding from the precepts of God and that helps him avoid the wrong paths. When I was 19 and like I mentioned, I was, did I mention to you or did I just, I don't know. All my sins are just out there. All right, so... I was pregnant, and then I had, then I got married. But I was only two months pregnant when I got married. Does that count? No. I wasn't showing yet. Okay. I was obviously not connected to God's word, right? I made decisions outside of that, and I chose the wrong path. Now, this one, your kids should know this verse. We did it at BBS this year. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Circle the word my This is the personal part. God's message is personal. It's relevant. It's current. It's personal. He wants to light your path, not just mine, yours. And his light through this will shine and direct you that way if you give him the chance. I want to share with you what happens when you ignore God's text. And in your notes, there's one question at the bottom asks, what happens to me when I stop reading God's text? Maybe this is a good answer? Maybe not. Hopefully one of these will work for you. How this? I tend to magnify the weaknesses of others. 
You know, like I am perfect and you are not and I see everything wrong about you. Okay, now I get in here and I become humbled and I realize all my own flaws and that I need to not be as critical or judgmental of others because God is forgiving and loving of me. I tend to evaluate all I see as if that is all there is. I live in the here and now, and I I live my life day by day about today. I don't think about eternity. This reminds me that life, I mean, we're just this little zilch of a second, like, in the scope of eternity. And so what I do, like, I get so stressed about things, and I'm like, oh, yeah, does it really matter? No. I mean, this is going to be yesterday in, you know, a couple hours. So, like, I felt like I was in a barf this morning. I didn't. But, like, tomorrow I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a piece of cake. No problem. Yeah. Why do I get worried about that kind of stuff? In the spectrum of eternity. I tend to close my hands on my possessions. I like this. Like, I re- you read the Bible, and it's like, share, give, share, give. And I'm like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if I lose my job? What if this, what if this, what if this? And I become insecure, and I have anxiety. And then God says, share, give, share. I had this luxury car, and I didn't want anybody to drive it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I idolized that car. I didn't want anyone else to drive it. it was, I didn't want anyone else to mess it up. That was more important than relationships to me. I didn't want my husband to drive it. I didn't want my son to drive it. I didn't want anyone else to drive it. It was more important than relationships. Oh, my gosh. Let me just tell you some more things that I'm, oh, I'm so bad. Okay. If you have anything that, you're not, that, you're, that you don't want to lend to anybody else, maybe you need to get rid of it. I hold on to my anger far too long because I become self-righteous instead of realizing that God, oh, I owe him. No one else owes me. I have to offer forgiveness and open up my hand to do that because he is the ultimate forgiver. So take a few moments Write down your thoughts on here, your answers to these questions. Make this personal. Make this about your learning and not about somebody else teaching. Okay, my final story for today. It's kind of appropriate for like the timing. Anyone sick of those political ads? Yeah. Okay. Like I can't wait for Tuesday night because they'll be done. <laughs> Yay! Keep DVRing things and forwarding so you don't cloud your mind with all of that. But do you ever feel like it's just very muddy? Like you just watch this and this person says this and this person says that and you're not sure who's telling the truth? I have a friend, former colleague. Um, there were only three of us that had like walled offices. Yeah, we were the important people. Oh, gosh. Business world is just crazy. Okay, and he was an awesome guy. He was working on his master's degree. His family was so important. They just had his second son. We shared our faith. I was just a new newbie Christian and just on fire, you know. And his birthday is one day away from mine, so we had, you know, co-birthday parties at the office. And he was like our political liaison at the organization. And then um, a couple years ago, when there was some corruption at the state level, he was appointed into a position. And he is now running for election, re-election into that, into that position. And the first time I saw and um, a commercial by his opponent on TV. They slandered him up one side and down the other. Uh, talked about his faith and that it wasn't Christian. They talked about his, his corruption in the office. And I mean, all of these things that are so not him. 
I was furious. Like, I was on fire angry. I emailed him, and I said, I am really sorry that this is happening to you. And I was on fire, and I was furious, and I was defensive because I knew him personally. I knew him personally. I knew these were lies and these were falsehoods. If you read your Bible and you allow God to teach you, you'll get to know him personally so that when all of these mudslinging happens about people that come outside and try to attack your faith, you'll know clearly, I know him personally. That's not characteristic of my God. That's not characteristic of my Jesus And you're wrong. And you'll know the truth. You won't depend on somebody else to tell you what they think the truth is. So hopefully over the next three weeks, you'll be inspired to get this out, to learn for yourself. And we're going to give you lots of opportunities to do that. So I'd like to close in prayer and let the prayer team come on down. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, for the blessing. You use David in such a profound way to speak to us, to remind us about how important it is to know you personally. Help us to ignore some of those other outside text messages and really focus on getting into your text message. Maybe it'll be hard for us, and maybe we're not sure what we believe, but that's okay. Help us to know that that's okay, and just open our minds and our hearts to you, Lord, so we can just... Be servants of you. If you are in need of prayer, please come on up. We'll be happy to pray for you. And if not, have a great day. See you next week.